Well, I want to welcome y'all to another Daily Decade, your rosary on the road. I'm recording this on a rather hot afternoon to greet you with good morning tomorrow when I actually load it up. It's almost summer here in the south. It's The rule is it's not officially summer until all the Baptist churches are reminding you that hell is hotter than the weather. And as a general rule, there's always two in town that use that line. It was creative probably about 15 or 20 years ago. At any rate, it is getting quite warm. And uh, it's a good time to go out and uh, engage in what we talked about, oh, I think it's probably about 30 or 40 broadcasts ago, talking about engaging with creation and celebrating it. It's a good time to do that. And I encourage you to get out and to seek God in the midst of his creation. I don't have any special intentions in the inbox today, which is part of the reason why I opened the show rambling a bit. But I do have some intentions for two people that are close to me that recently celebrated rather large anniversaries in their lives. And so I want to pray for the servants of God. Uh, John is uh, is the one fellow's name, and uh, Justin is the other fellow's name. Uh, they're celebrating birthdays, and uh, I'd like very much to pray for them. If you have a special intention, even an anniversary or a birthday on which you'd like for someone to pray for you, I encourage you to send that in to Daily Decade Requests at ProtonMail.com. That's Decade, D-E-C-A-D-E, Requests in the plural, at ProtonMail.com. And uh, I will be overjoyed to pray for you for whatever intention it is, whether it's a great intention. Uh, We had an intention not too long ago. Uh, regarding the murder of the unborn and someone who was tragically very close to that. Uh, That's a very heavy intention, but there's also light intentions as well. And any opportunity, great or small, heavy or light, to bring your needs and your requests before the throne of the Almighty is an opportunity for us, all of us listening to this, to confess that He has power over everything. And so I, I encourage you, I can't encourage you enough to send those in. And I, it's not as though I get donations for them or anything like that. I don't make any money off of this. I believe in making money off of the faith is an infamia. But uh, that's, I mean, for personal uh, people. The, the church obviously needs money to run it and build beautiful uh, edifices to our Lord God. But I don't need those things. So uh, I, that's... I do this for free. <laughs> well, not not quite for free. I'm hoping to I'm hoping to get some souls out of the deal. <laughs> but uh, nevertheless, uh, don't be afraid to send things in uh, for any reason whatever. Now, today I'd like to uh, go ahead and, and pray for uh, for John and Justin and uh we'll go ahead and um pray this one in. I have recently had someone reach out to me and thank me for praying in English, so I think I'm going to do one more this week in English uh, just for the benefit of that one person. Uh, I want to uh, I want to make sure I I know that I I personally prefer the Latin language. We're going to talk a little bit about that today, and I know that I have a lot of listeners who have a great attachment to this ancient language of the church, but I know that not everybody does that as part of their daily routine to uh, pray these prayers in the language of the church, so it's appropriate for us to do uh, some prayers in the vernacular. 
So let's go ahead and pray in English. Turn our, our minds and our hearts to God and uh, pray for these two servants of God uh, in, in English. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou amongst women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou amongst women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou amongst women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou amongst women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Hail Mary full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou amongst women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou amongst women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou amongst women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou amongst women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou amongst women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou amongst women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, Pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Ghost, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. Hail, Holy Queen, Mother of Mercy, our life, our sweetness, and our hope. To thee do we cry, poor banished children of Eve. To thee do we send up our sighs, weeping and mourning from this veil of tears. Turn then, O gracious Advocate, thine eyes of mercy unto us. And after this, our exile, shew unto us the blessed fruit of thy womb, Jesus. O clement, O loving, O sweet Virgin Mary. Pray for us, O Holy Mother of God. 
that we may be made worthy of the promises of Christ. Let us pray. Pour forth, we beseech thee, O Lord, thy grace into our hearts, that we to whom the incarnation of Christ, thy Son, was made known by the message of an angel, may by his passion and cross be brought to the glory of his resurrection. Through the same Christ our Lord. Amen. O Lord God, who knoweth alone the day and the hour on which we will be called home, who knoweth alone the day and the who alone knoweth the day and the hour on which thou shalt send thy son to judge the world, who promises us not the evening when we awaken, nor the morning when we fall asleep, and from whom every day and every hour and every minute, every thought every breath is a gift given freely from thee bless thy servants John and Justin with enlightenment of these truths that they may value each gift each moment and may pass many moments and many years hence to serve thee to love thee and to know thee better and we ask this in the name of Jesus Christ our Lord, who liveth and reigneth with thee in the Holy Ghost, one God, world without end. Amen. For all of us in our battles day to day and moment to moment, St. Michael the Archangel, defend us in battle. Be our protection against the wickedness and snares of the devil. May God rebuke him, we humbly pray, and do thou, O Prince of the Heavenly Host, by the power of God, cast into hell Satan and all evil spirits who prowl about the world, seeking the ruin of souls. Amen. Most sacred heart of Jesus, have mercy on us. Most sacred heart of Jesus, have mercy on us. Most sacred heart of Jesus, thy kingdom come. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen. The Latin language is, is truly, I think, a beautiful thing. It's beautiful to hear, it's beautiful to hear sung, it's beautiful to hear spoken and prayed. Uh, I have a particular affection for certain languages. Uh, I, I quite enjoy the sound of, of, uh, of Irish, uh, particularly on the uh, southern dialects. I think German is actually, when it's uh, spoken quite a, um, when, it's, when, it's in, when it's poetic, it actually has quite a musical quality to it. And I know that that strikes a lot of people as very weird because it's such a guttural language, and in many, in many ways Irish is as well. Latin, though, is, in my mind, a language that surpasses all others for beauty and for clarity that you rarely ever miss a word in Latin. It's a beautiful language for that reason. And I pray in it probably as much out of an aesthetic taste as anything else, but I think there's a lot that recommends it, especially for prayer. When we pray, we pray, and this is something that I think is becoming more and more a matter of encouragement, is to pray uh, together, And this is something that was very much true in the early church. And I think 
I don't know that it ever really stopped being true. There are a lot of people that claim that it did, but in all of my studies of the church and of the faith, I don't see how it ever became false. There were a lot of claims during the Protestant Reformation that people had stopped praying in common, and that was it was not as uh, as important in the church as it should be. And the Puritans were really big on this. They really drove home that they they wanted to purify the faith and bring people back into praying in common. And Protestant interpretations of what the Holy Mass was about were largely about bringing people together as though that wasn't happening. I don't know that that's really true that it wasn't happening, but in either case, whether it was or whether it wasn't, it ought to be, and it is a, a source of, uh, of great strengthening of the faith to pray with others. Although it's not always possible to actually pray physically in the company of others, and so we unite with one another in other ways, either through praying the breviary, we're always praying, uh, anyone who's praying the breviary is praying it with everyone else who's praying the breviary that day on those hours. Uh, the same thing is true of the Angelus, when people still prayed the Angelus, everyone, when the Angelus bell rang, everyone knelt and, and prayed the, the Angelus. And you could be sure that if you were praying at some place in uh, the west of Ireland, that someone in Spain or France uh, was standing in their fields saying the same prayers at the same, roughly the same time that you were, and you were united. And I think there's a great value in seeking a community of prayer not just with the living church militant, uh, but also with the, the church suffering and with the church triumphant as well. Uh, obviously, we're, uh, we're encouraged to pray with the church triumphant. That's why we pray to the saints, uh, joining all the angels and the saints when we pray the Sanctus at the Holy Mass. Uh, and not just there, but also uniting ourselves to the prayers of the saints when we pray the litany of the saints or any number of other uh, public prayers. I think in particular, though, there's a great value in uniting ourselves or making a conscious effort to unite ourselves to those that came before us. And that means thinking a bit about how they prayed and what they prayed and, uh, and when they prayed. And particularly now, because we live in such a rootless time, I think there's a great deal of thought that really ought to be put into this. How do we pray with our ancestors? How do we pray with... Because when we talk about what tradition is, what Chesterton described tradition rather aptly, I think, in The Everlasting Man, he called it uh, the democracy of the dead. Now, I don't have a very high opinion of democracy generally, but it's a rather handy way of thinking about it. The problem, main problem with democracy is that it gives no voice to those who probably have the most to give us, which is our ancestors. It's all about the here and now. Democracy is a momentary form of government. That's why it functions so poorly. People who don't see more than five minutes in front of their face are not going to be able to make very good decisions. And democracy takes the entire society and makes it that way. So when he says the democracy of the dead, well, there might, there's some great value to that because the, the dead take a much longer view of things by necessity than we do. Tradition is valuable because of the voices that it allows to join in the ongoing conversation that we seem always to be having with ourselves. 
Now, of course, they can't speak to us in any meaningful way. Even seances don't actually raise the dead. They just summon demons. But in our hearts, because we are, to a greater or lesser extent, our ancestors, in our hearts, we can, if we are connected with a tradition, with an inherited tradition, and with a people, hear the voices of our ancestors, so to speak, down through the ages in the natural impulses to prayer, the traditions, the customs, the culture to which we belong. And there are certain cultures and certain peoples that have valued certain traditions more than others. Man-made devotions as much as devotions given by God. The devotion to St. Thomas Becket uniquely English in many ways Saint-Denis, uniquely French and those are just saints that are good examples of this but it's true generally there are certain forms of prayer that are common the way the rosary is said in Spain is different than the way the rosary is said in Ireland uh, or among the Irish in the diaspora I recently learned that praying the rosary with some other people we have different customs the Germans likewise when I was a boy, uh, I, I had heard my grandmother tell me about the German Catholics. By then, the German diaspora had completely died out in the uh, local area. There were only a couple of ethnic enclaves left, and the Austrians had much dispersed. But I remember her telling me that the Austrians and the Slovaks used to do something odd. They would say the, ro they would say the mysteries of the rosary out in the middle of every Ave. And I recently encountered someone who was actually from Central Europe who had the same exact experience. It's something that's just, that's the way that it's done there, rather than naming the, or announcing the mystery at the very beginning and then just leaving it at that. It's a local custom. And when you pray the way your ancestors prayed, you unite yourself to them. You honor them. And it's not that you dishonor them when you pray differently, necessarily. You're not violating the fourth commandment. But it is certainly something more excellent to go to higher, greater lengths to honor your ancestors than not to go to those lengths to honor them. It's not necessarily harmful not to go to those lengths, but it is better to do so. And so there's a lot of value in praying, particularly in Latin, since most of our ancestors would have prayed in Latin if they were Roman Catholics, and all of our ancestors at some go back far enough and all of our ancestors are Roman Catholics. Whether it starts at the uh, with the Reformation or with the old Catholics, if you if your family are old Catholics, then it, your family were Catholics in the nineteenth century. If they're Protestants, then they were Catholics in the sixteenth century. If they're Eastern Orthodox, then they were Catholics in the in the tenth and eleventh century. One way or the other, everybody was united with Rome at some point. And so, to pray in Latin, however the theology led your family down the way, a pray, praying in Latin unites you with ancestors at some point and honors those ancestors whether you hold the same theology or not the language is the reality in which they dwelt that's what language does it shapes our realities it helps us to comprehend and understand them and the words that we use for the realities that we encounter shape those realities and uh, and 
in a way confine us to those realities of someone for whom certain words are meaningful uh, is going to have a different reality than someone for whom those words have no meaning that's why the all of these uh, people all of these diabolics who are running around uh, afflicted with all sorts of strange devils of identity always have new words to invent I, I ran into what was the word I ran into recently um, uh, Poly, uh, poly something or other, polyclatch or poly, polyamory. These words, they don't mean anything except to people that, uh, that practice these strange... Uh, I'm trying to find an appropriate word <laughs> that's, uh, uh, that to describe them, but uh, these strange perversions, I suppose, is the only way to describe them. They have words that they've invented in order to make the, to shape their reality. You know, this idea of a gender fluid is one of those. It, it means nothing, but to certain people it shapes their entire reality. They live in a different cosmos than we live in because of it. And it's not just now with these cultural uh, Marxist uh, influences on language. It was true organically as well. Certain people... Uh, here's a wonderful example. In the King James Bible, we hear very often that Peter prevents Christ. Now, for us, to prevent means to stop. But at that time, in that place, to prevent was to proceed. Well, why do we say that prevent means stop? Because over time, we recognize that well, if, you're going to, if someone is going to pre prevent you, someone's going to proceed you somewhere, you have to stop in order to let them through. And so to prevent came to mean to, instead of just going before, it was transferred from the person who was doing the preventing to the person who was being prevented, because the person who was being prevented needed to stop. So to prevent meant to stop someone. It has a different elocutionary force. The focus is on the other person. It's, it's the focus is on the, the active person. I know it's a little bit esoteric and it's a little bit academic, but it's a good example of the way that language means different things to different people, and it shapes the reality that they live in as a result. And la the Latin language has its own reality, the way that it's structured. It forces people to be slower and more deliberate and also more precise. Where you put a word in a sentence in Latin means a lot less than how that word is actually formed because it's a language of termination. English is different than that. As a result, when English language, when the English language is spoken, it needs to be spoken in a certain order. With Latin, the form of the word matters more. And so there's a different level of precision to it. You unite yourself to the reality that those that spoke Latin and speak Latin dwell in when you pray in Latin. There's a wonderful story about back in the 1950s when people were complaining that there wasn't enough vernacular in the Roman Catholic Church that a woman had gone had to have a child baptized and asked the priest why he needed to uh, why he could not uh, uh, say all the prayers in English and the priest's response famously was well the baby doesn't know English and the devil knows Latin and there is a sanctity to the language as well that you feel naturally when you pray in Latin so there's a lot of value to it. But there's also a value in saying the kinds of prayers that our ancestors said as well. 
I know in certain countries there are certain devotions. In Ireland, the rosary has always been a very strong devotion, particularly in my own family. That's part of the reason why I returned to it, why it brought me back to the faith. And so the rosary is an incredibly powerful devotion in, in my own family. But I also recognize the fact that it's not in some places. Ruth, the, there's, a, there's a different way of praying the rosary for different people. If you come from an Eastern European or Central European background, there's great value in praying the way that they prayed. We just talked about the Germans and the Slovaks and the way that they pray the mysteries of the rosary. And there are other prayers as well. You know, the Angelus plays just a tremendous role in Irish culture. And as, a, as an Irishman or someone who's extracted from Irish stock, praying the Angelus as part of my uh, daily routine is something that I've often thought about taking up because it would better unite me with my own Catholic ancestors. As it happens, I pray the Seven Sorrows, uh, which is also very popular in Ireland. And I've recently found out incredibly popular in the Philippines as well. But it's worth taking the time to stop and think about the devotions that your ancestors honored and to devote yourself in the same way. Because Father Ripperger has this talk about generational spirits, and I can't help but feel like the devotions that are common to a certain people are that way for a reason. That some special favor is shown upon those people by the saint to whom the devotion is directed. St. Michael and the Blessed Mother in Ireland, for example, or St. Patrick, people usually think of St. Patrick, but really the devotion to St. Michael in, the, in, the, uh, in Ireland is very, very strong. And it was at one point in France as well. That's why you have Mont St. Michel. The Normans were great devotees of St. Michael, and anyone of their extraction to develop uh, a devotion to St. Michael and the fight that he wages against the diabolic is incredibly worthy. Uh, meanwhile, you have other devotions in other places. The devotion to uh, the Stations of the Cross, for example, very popular in Italy and in Spain. And uh, I, I do love the Stations of the Cross. But it, if you're going to pick and choose devotions, because you can't do all of them, <laughs> I have certain devotions to which I'm especially attached. The Sacred Heart, the Rosary, the Seven Sorrows of the Blessed Virgin Mary and the, uh, the Miraculous Medal are devotions that I have personally me. I can, there's a ton of other devotions that I, I rarely have time for. I can't make them part of my daily spiritual routine. But they're out there. And if you're having trouble picking up a devotion, developing a habit, because it really is incredibly important to have a devotion. And if you're having trouble picking one up, what better way than to look to your, your people, to look to your ancestors, your nation, your tribe, your race, and unite yourself to them in prayer and create this, con become part of that continuity. Place yourself in that continuity because then through prayer you will become more than what you were before you began the devotion. You will become more of what you are in the sight of God and what he intended you to be when he chose that family that you belong to, when he chose to place you in that bloodline, in this country, on the soil that you are now standing on or sitting on. 
He chose this for you. God doesn't do anything by mistake or by accident. And so, by uniting yourself with your ancestors and their devotions and their prayers, you draw closer to what God intended for you. And by pulling yourself away from them, by aligning yourself against them, as so many people want to do, you draw yourself closer to the devil. Because you're rebelling against what God made you. God made you, if God made you a white Irish, an Irishman, a white Christian, that's what God intended you to be. Uh, if he made you a, 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 the, a I, I don't know, a, a Filipino from the, from the Northern Ireland, Islands, then that's what he intended you to be. I don't think I probably have to tell most Filipinos to be proud of themselves. I've never met one who wasn't. And that's good. But a lot of Europeans seem to have forgotten this. And so attach yourself to the devotions of your ancestors, to the language of your ancestors. Pray. Pray as they prayed. Think as they think. Thought. And unite yourself to them. Embrace what God made you. Because if you embrace what God made you, you embrace his intentions for you and you draw yourself closer to his will for you. And that's what we all need to do. So that's my prayer for us today. That all of us, through our devotions, draw closer to the will of God and draw closer to what he made us to be. So that drawing closer to what he made us to be, we might draw closer to him and be found in his presence at least worthy enough for him to welcome us into his kingdom. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen.